This is the Veritable Veteran Podcast, bringing truth and exposure to the struggles veterans and their families face post-military. Depression. Anger. PTSD. Suicide. Who am I? What do I do now? Hey guys, welcome back to the Veritable Veteran Podcast. Uh, this is your host, Evan. And on the other end of this line, I actually have someone with me today. Uh, I've got Cam. Cam is a, uh, he's in, he's active duty army. He was a Marine. Uh, he actually served with me back in 2010 and 2011 in the 3rd Battalion, 9th Marines, when we went into Afghanistan. Uh, so, Cam, you want to say hi to everybody? Hey, thanks for having <laughs> me, man. Yeah, no, this, I'm super this, glad this to. This cool. Yeah, I'm super glad to have you on. I just know you've got uh, a very unique experience that a lot of people um, don't have as far as, you know, joining the military, then getting out, and then actually going back in, into a different branch even. Uh, so I know that's, that's why I wanted you on. Plus I just, I mean, I like you and you're a cool dude. So I like, I'd like, you know, I like having cool people on. So wanted to have you on and just kind of get a little bit of your story. And so I know that we served together. We didn't really get to know each other super well. Um, but the, the time that we were together, um, I'm trying to think, I got there. When did I get there? It was um, hmm. probably early 2010. It was, it was it? March. Or- it was. It was actually. Oh, I remember now. It was March 11th. Is the day that I got there. It was 0311. Ah. that I checked in. <laughs> so yeah. I remember that because it was the same as. Yeah, it was 0311. Uh, so I remember checking in. So you had been at 39 for a while. You had already gone on one deployment with them. Yeah, I was. I was the first boot drop out of SOI that they yeah. got. Yeah, in 2008. And then we That's did. That's right. Because yeah. they, they, 3 9 was a provisional battalion that they stood up and it actually fell under 6th Marine Regiment, not the 9th Marine Regiment. Yeah. It's during my time there, I was under every regiment. So yeah. I was under 2nd, 6th, and 8th at my whole time in 3 9. So they just, <laughs> they just dumped us at whoever was yeah. convenient. Yeah, but, just a bastard child kind of floating around, yeah, filling in where it was needed. Pretty much. So when did you join the Marine Corps and tell oh actually before let's, let's back up a little bit. Tell us a little bit about your your family history just growing up. Yeah. Born and raised in Orlando, Florida. Um, and then recruited out of uh, a smaller town just north of Orlando called Oviedo. It's a uh, probably most famous for like the university of central Florida. It's right, okay. right there. Yeah. It's that's where like both my sisters went to college and everything and everybody that had their stuff together after high school, <laughs> unlike me. Um, but then, uh, grew up there, uh, my whole life moved. We moved one time from Orlando to Oviedo. Um, always knew I was going to be in the military and my entire life, especially growing up, I was like, I'm going to be a Navy SEAL. 
Um, <laughs> and then, but I had a Navy contract and I actually swore in for the Navy while like right after I turned 18 and then right before I graduated high school, um, I was like, man, I, I get really seasick. And, <laughs> <laughs> and I had, let's think, let's think about this for yeah, a minute. <laughs> and I had some pretty significant, significant uh, Marine influences in my life. And I was like, oh, you know, that'd be cool. And kind of want to go just fight bad guys. And I remember telling my recruiter, I'm like, hey, man, I'm sorry. Like, I'm just, <laughs> I'm, I was too afraid. I lied to him. I was too afraid to say I was leaving him for somebody else. So I just said I was going to try to go to college. <laughs> uh, but it was real. It was really, and he's like, you know, the Navy will pay for your college. And they're good. And I was like, oh, no, man, it's all right. Uh, I'll, I'll figure it out. That's hilarious. Then, then I, I got a hold of my Marine Corps recruiter, found out the Navy had not technically released me to done that paperwork. So I had to go back to the Navy recruiter, um, joined the, walked into the, <laughs> I told, <laughs> he's like, he's like the Marine Corps recruiter's like, hey, man, were you in the Navy or something? Did you go to, I was like, oh, I went to Mets for them. And he's like, yeah, man, they still have you. You got to, you got to take care of that. I was like, oh crap. That's and it's great. been like, yeah, it's been like months. Like I kind of yeah. I joined six, seven months after I graduated high school. Mm -hmm. Just kind of like took my time. And and then uh met the Marine Corps recruiter. He tells me, No, you're still with the Navy, you gotta square that away. Let's get that squared away. And then I told him, I was like, and this would have been like October or maybe November of 2007. And I walked in, I was like, hey, man, listen. And this was in an Orlando recruiting station. And I was like, I get, you know, you got, he starts setting out all those, the little plaques. That you, it says like financial stability, education, physical <laughs> fitness. And he's like, explain to me. I was like, hey, man, um, I understand there's a spiel. I probably said, sir. I was like, hey, sir, I understand there's a spiel <laughs> that you have to go through. But I'm, I'm going to join the Marine Corps. I'm going to go in the infantry. And if you can't give me that, I'm, if you tell me you can't give me infantry, I'm just going to go to another Marine Corps recruiting station. And he's just like, <laughs> and he's just, oh, okay. He just kind of slides them all back up. And he's like, all right, well, I guess we don't need to do this. Let's get, and this was uh, like six, six or seven o'clock at night. He's like, let's get you an appointment for next week. And I yeah. was like, let's do, let's do it, man. <laughs> let's do it. Yeah. That's hilarious. And then I shipped off to Paris Island, like. A week before Christmas, 2010. Or nice. no, 2007. A week before Christmas. <laughs> yeah. Oh, that's hilarious. So I joined out of Florida. Uh, I didn't know you had a contract with the Navy. That's funny. Yeah. I was going to be a rescue swimmer. Oh, I, yeah? Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm pretty good in the water. And I I still had like this special forces idea. And I was like, but like there's not a lot of 18-year-olds. And I'm still pretty immature but I need to grow up a little bit. But if I could be this rescue swimmer and I had the contract for that and I passed all that. And then, uh, but just at some point late my senior year, I was like, this isn't going to work. Yeah. Oh yeah. Yeah. I actually, my, one of my, the guy that I went to boot camp with my good buddy, he, uh, he was on the show. He was the other interview that I did. He, um, we had talked about joining the air force to go to the air force Academy to become pilots. Mm -hmm. And that was kind of our plan for a while. And then we didn't really, we didn't do anything paperwork wise or swearing in or anything, but we talked about it a lot. And then we both just kind of, he kind of realized it first, but I'm glad he did. We were not, 
meant to be in the air force. Yeah. <laughs> it was not a good fit and yeah. it would not have been. Uh, so then we ended up joining the Marine Corps, but yeah, it's funny how, you know, when you talk to people that, that join, a lot of them have that story of they go in, they talk to one, one's like, Oh, this is going to be awesome. And they get sucked into that one. And then, you know, the other ones see them and they're like, Oh, Hey, come talk to us. And then, you know, so it's funny just how that works. The recruiters are always fighting for everybody. They they see one who actually wants to join and they're, you know, they're like, Oh, Hey, come over here. It's better over here. Yeah. I promise. <laughs> yeah. I, I definitely made it easy for the Marine yeah, Corps. Right. Yeah. So you I was, said you I was had, very easy. Yeah. <laughs> so you said you had some significant Marine Corps influences in your life. What do you mean? Who was that? It was a couple. Um, well, it's my family. I got a pretty strong military background in the family. Both my grandfathers were in the Navy uh, during World War II. Okay. Um, I've got a lot of uncles and cousins that were in different branches. And then um, the two most significant would be my cousin, Jared. Um, he's an only child and I'm the only boy in my family and our moms are sisters and they're, they're the only siblings. So, and they live in Orlando area too. So we grew up, that's the closest thing I had to a brother. Yeah. And he's only, he's only a couple years older than me. Um, and he joined the Marine Corps after high school and he went in the reserves, um, but deployed three times to Iraq while he was in the reserves. Yeah. He, was, <laughs> he was motor T and, um, deployed three times and his goal was I think originally like college and then officer maybe or something like that yeah but just Iraq really or deploying so many times just screwed up his educational career right um and he never he just he did his his time and then transitioned out um but then also um I did ROTC uh all four years of high school Okay. And yeah. the, the the senior instructor there was a Marine Corps uh, retired colonel, uh, Colonel <laughs> Joseph Nardo. He was an infantry Marine, um, commissioned in 1960, retired it, retired in 90. He was actually wow. he yeah he was selected to for brigadier general, um, and had a heart attack while he was active duty. So he lost his selection or his yeah. nomination or whatever. Um, he was going to go be the uh, commanding general, like eighth and I, I think it was back yeah. in when it, but he, they let him finish his 30 years. He retired. And then he, he set up the ROTC program at Oviedo high school. And he was doing that. And he was, he was squared away. You know, he was, he's very um, like, I don't want to sound like he was very, he's just a great man. Like he was everybody's favorite grandpa. He loved everybody. I'm sure he's very different as a Marine Corps infantry <laughs> officer. Yeah, he did th like he did three tours to Vietnam, and um, he became a family friend of ours. Especially after I graduated, a lot of his family lived out of state. So I remember like my family had him over for Thanksgiving, uh, like my first Thanksgiving in the Marine Corps. I was home, and I remember him and his wife came over, um, and they got together i remember his wife passed away and my family had him over for father's day one time when he was go and then he's actually the man that performed um me and cindy's wedding oh, okay uh, yeah yeah so we asked i asked him to do it and, uh so he was a very close he was a teacher became a close family friend um and between him and jared i was kind of like you know what they got their stuff together 
the uniform's awesome. <laughs> yep. <laughs> so I might as well at this point. And that's that those two right there. That and then I read honestly the first, I'm not proud of it, but the first book I ever read cover to cover that wasn't a homework assignment was my sophomore year. And my cousin Jared bought it for me, and it was Carlos Hathcock's book mm-hmm. about uh, his time in Vietnam and establishing the Scout Sniper Program. Yeah, and I was so enthralled in that book that between that book and Jared and Colonel Nardo, I was like, "Yeah, the Marine Corps." <laughs> yeah, it sounds yep. Sound, yep. <laughs> this 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 is it. This will be yeah. this will be that, good. That's a good book too. I've read that one. That that's yeah. one of the ones that I've, that was a good book. Yeah. So, all right. So, I mean, you had, you, you said your grandfathers were in World War II. You had, you know, the influence of this, the, the colonel that was at your school doing the ROTC, your, your cousin slash brother almost, you know, is mm-hmm. in, a, in the Marine Corps. So you go to boot camp, right? What did you think of boot camp? I was pretty well conditioned for boot camp. It yep. wasn't because I had done ROTC. Like, you know, ROTC nerd, yeah. But it was like a lot of the things that are new to people was not new. Marching was not new. Yeah. We had, in ROTC in high school, we had competitive teams and we'd go to field meets and I was part of like the drill teams and the spinning the rifles and the marching and the uniform inspections. So like I knew what a gig line was. I knew what a left face was. I knew all my general orders already. Yeah. I knew how to, so like, those things were not new to me. The summer between my junior and senior year, there's this like cadet academy or leadership academy or something that they would send you to. It's like a week long in Tampa or two weeks. And it's like boot camp. And like think about it now, I'm like kind of surprised that they would treat children that way. <laughs> like high school, yeah. High school volunteer children. I was no, it was it was the summer between my sophomore and junior year. So I'm like 15 getting yeah. yelled at. like it was just getting hazed yeah and it's just it was pretty crazy so like i kind of had that experience so it wasn't a culture shock to me but some of the and like the you know the screaming the yelling not that big a deal to me either yeah um i i I did pretty well in boot camp like it wasn't it i've been i'd grown up hunting a little bit or a lot of it. So like shooting wasn't, <laughs> wasn't new to me. Um, I did pretty well. Like I, it wasn't a shock like it is for some people, I think. Yeah. Well, and that's, you know, that that's a very different experience than I had because I was, that was a complete culture shock for me. Yeah. Um, you know, and I, and I wish that knowing what I know now, cause I've always heard, you know, ROTCs just for nerds and losers and all this other stuff. And, but you know, hearing people that have gone through it talk about it, it's like it actually really helped them prepare in certain ways, even if they didn't like the whole concept of it or, you know, the, like the whole package, they said it was still a good experience. So what what are your thoughts on I know you, I, mean, I kind of I think I kind of know the answer, but what are your thoughts on ROTC for guys that are thinking about joining in the future? Should they do ROTC? Should they look into it? I think <clears throat> I think for high school, I think it's definitely I it depends on your school. So like I said, we did, we had a com- competitive teams and it was my school. Oviedo high school was nationally ranked and it yeah. was, it was a, it was a big deal. Um, 
at my school. Um, now, how I, how big was Oviedo High School? Oviedo, my graduating class was like nine hundred, maybe eight hundred. Like it was big. <laughs> yeah, that's a big school. It's yeah. it's big. Yeah. Um, but it shrunk. They built another high school that opened up like my junior year, maybe. Okay. Um, but so it's it's probably not as big now. But mm-hmm. the ROTC program really excelled under Colonel Nardo and some of the other instructors. Yeah. I I would definitely recommend it for high schoolers. Um, and like if you if you suck at it in high school and like <laughs> and you don't like because like the, you know we'd wear our uniforms once a week or something and like if that if that just bothers you to no end and you just can't cope with that as a kid, um, it's probably a sign. <laughs> we call those um, clues <laughs> yeah. But, yeah and then and then in and then in college i don't know much about it in college but i know like after a while i think there's a requirement like after like your if you do if you started like your junior year or something i think there's requirements in college but it's definitely yeah. it definitely helped me be successful i was yeah. definitely started out education wise a little bit ahead of my peers in boot camp yeah and then it also I came in as a PFC instead of a private. Nice. So it's like an extra two dollars, right? Whatever. Yeah. Hey. Yeah. <laughs> when you're making, you know, a dollar, you know, a day, yeah. uh, that extra yeah, two dollars yeah. is a big difference. Yeah. <laughs> Money bags. Yeah. I, but yeah, I, I definitely. <laughs> but I had good. I I had good instructors, and we had a good team. Yeah. And it was it was serious to us in high school. Um, but the, there are, I saw other schools and other competitive teams that were like just there because they kind of had to be right but they they didn't i I think it was obviously their leadership their teachers their instructors right yeah and i think that probably has a lot to do with it um and even people that have been through it that had a negative experience it probably wasn't the program itself it was probably more you know leadership yeah you know the the people they were surrounded by you know but I get it. I've always, because I've, I, I, my high school was, I went to a tiny private Christian school. My graduating class was 12 people. So yeah, yeah it was super small, but we did, so we didn't have a lot of the programs that bigger schools had. So I, it wasn't even an option for me. Um, so that's, you know, when I hear people talk about it, I'm like, I, that's, that's definitely something I, I know that I, looking back, I would have done it um, had it been an option, but it just, yeah. it just wasn't an option for me. So I was just kind of Delta a different hand going into boot camp. I was just going in blind. <laughs> so yeah. it was like, well, here we go. <laughs> Good luck so, out there. <laughs> yeah. Right. You better, uh, I hope you can swim because you're going in head first. So, yeah. So anyway, uh, boot camp. obviously, you know, we, we, we talked about, you know, how that was not too bad for you. So then yeah. where did you go after that? So after that, um, you got your you got your boot leave, and I had a little bit of recruiter assistance, and then I went to infantry training battalion in Jacksonville, North Carolina, at, mm. in Camp Geiger. There it is, Camp, w- Camp Giggles. Yeah, that was the culture shock. <laughs> That's when it got real for me, because like all this like anything ROTC and boot camp prepares you for has nothing to do with ITB, yeah. except for pulling a trigger. <clears throat> Because yeah. that that was where it was like I'm not surrounded by 
all the bakers and candlestick makers and it's all infantry <laughs> yep. all the time. And our instructors were intense. Um, we had some like, you know, that's where like guys are like trying to motivate you giving speeches about like killing babies and <laughs> yeah. spraying pink mist and all yep. that crazy stuff. And that's where it was like, that's where it got intense. But then the hazing, that that was the worst. It was worse than boot camp because they didn't care. They're they're all Iraq veterans, and like recent probably, Iraq vets, probably yeah, yeah. from like like Fallujah and Ramadi well, and. And you what know. was crazy is like like four or five of the instructors. I was in Charlie Company, and like four or five of the instructors had all deployed together, and then some of them became instructors, and then like two of them did one more deployment. And then all became, and they just all ended up in Charlie Company. So it's like five of your best friends, yeah, just ha- hazing privates all day. <laughs> it's so it was I, it was yeah, intense. That, that's a that different part, level of uh, of of uh, camaraderie is when you get to inflict uh, communal pain on a bunch of people uh, that with your yeah. friends. That that's they just, were, it's they were different. loving it. They were so excited <laughs> yeah. every day. Um, that's funny because I was actually an instructor. Well, you were there. Yeah, I was I was at Charlie Company um, for a little while before I went over to the instructor group. And then I was over in Alpha Company. But I forgot that you were there the same time I was for a little while. Yeah. What company? I don't remember what company you were in. I was at I was uh, at MCT. That's right. When, okay. When I was over uh, at SOI. Okay. Yeah. I, I remember you were there, but it, it's such a blur like looking back and trying to remember where I was and it's like, and I think that's, that's one thing that um, people that haven't served in the military, I don't think they understand how much of a, like looking back, you're trying to remember times and dates and things. And it's like, it's so hard because it was just so jam packed all the time and trying to think back, it's just like a big constant blur. And yeah, it's just I don't know why it's Yeah. I, I have to just associate major events with like that time yeah. of reference. Yeah. Yeah, it's definitely I don't know, it like trying to think back and put things in chronological order. I gotta stop and try to think of yeah. life events. Yeah, it's just weird. And I don't know if that's just like cause you're so busy all the time and just going constantly, but I don't know. It's just it's different. Oh, excuse me. So you go to SOI, your ITB, and then where did you go from there? Straight to 3-9. So 3-9 had been stood up. That was, I graduated, um, I remember it was June 13th. It's Friday the 13th. um, (laughs) And then they sent a bus to come get us. they picked us up. I remember like our company first sergeant, a couple sergeants were there, but three nine had just been stood up in May. They'd already stood one nine and two nine up, and we were the first boot drop. There was probably a hundred people in the battalion before we got there. <laughs> and and yeah. every everybody from my ITB class that was active duty um and not security forces, everybody went to three nine. Yeah. And then uh, they broke us up into the companies. And then my company, we was run by we had a fir- we had we had a lieutenant as the company commander, a company first sergeant, and 
two sergeants, a handful of corporals and lance corporals, and <laughs> and then a, a whole ton of privates, and they just let just back to the hazing again. Yeah. <laughs> but there was no like, direction. There was no direction. It was because like there was we didn't even have a company commander, like yeah. a captain, you know, and right. we didn't have a gunny and those people filtered in too, but the battalion was only a month old and they just didn't have, they just hodgepodge it together from other units within the division. Wow. And then, so that, but that was an interesting couple of months of standing that up. Yeah. And we got, we got like a couple more boot drops. Um, like me and Joshua Tufts, we were in, ITB together, SOI, mm-hmm. and then like uh, guys like LeBron and Sean Gallagher showed up the very next boot drop. Okay, yeah. So then, you guys actually deployed to Iraq, right? Wasn't there like a in in the summer of two thousand and nine? We went to Iraq. Um, didn't do anything. We were only there for three months. Um, and then we came home early, allegedly. I, I feel like they probably knew it was going to be short, but everybody was like, oh, no. And then even our, like, battalion, everybody thought we were going to Afghanistan yeah. because the battalion sergeant major, his name was Sergeant Major Young. Um, he was probably a really good Marine, but he was a tool. And <laughs> <clears throat> because, like, we do it like a battalion formation. Once it was, like, solidified, you're going to Iraq. And he was always talking about Afghanistan. He had been to Iraq. He had his Purple Heart. And he was like Fallujah and Fifth Marines and all that. And um, he even said one time, he was like, just because we leave states and we're going to Iraq doesn't mean when we come home, we're coming home from Iraq. You go to Afghanistan from Iraq. Like everybody thought we were going to Afghanistan. <laughs> yeah. And like he was probably just trying to keep us motivated because like 2009 Iraq for the Marine Corps was lame. Yeah. Compared to what was going on in Afghanistan. Right. Yeah. Um, but it was like also sowing a lot of confusion for your <laughs> yeah. Marines. Right. But we, yeah, went to Iraq. Um, not a, nobody, there was, wasn't a single uh, round fired in aggression, you know, just stood a lot of posts, a couple of patrols. Uh, we were in a place called Ubaidi or Ubaidi. Yeah. Uh, right on, right on the Euphrates river. Um, so I was like, oh, cool. I remember reading about that in the Bible. Yeah. Um, <laughs> this place that, actually like, exists. Yeah. But it was, and then we were just on a, a, a company fob for most of it. And then we went to Al-Assad and that was it. Like nothing, nothing interesting. Just. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty mundane. It. Yeah. It was, it was lame. Yeah. It was yeah. <laughs> so then you guys come back. Um, and then I know. That was you guys got back, uh, so that was summer two thousand nine. You got back yeah. fall winter ish two thousand nine. Yeah, and then beginning of two thousand ten is when I came over. Yeah, and then we started. You guys had actually already started the workup for Afghanistan because I missed. I think there was a couple of things that I missed before um, that you guys did when I when I wasn't there for the the workup, um, and then. You know, we did the whole, the whole spiel working up for Afghanistan, and you were actually uh, in my squad initially. You were my my team leader, and then we got uh, Neil. What was his last name? 
uh oh what was his name bailey bailey that was it. okay yeah yeah, yeah. yeah. Uh, sorry if you're listening bailey sorry i, I didn't forget you i just couldn't remember your name <laughs> yeah. so yeah, he came over and then yeah he was so and and the reason it, it was an odd situation for me because i came over from the air wing side and i had just gone to itb so i was a newer infantry marine but i had the rank of corporal so i was put in charge i was a squad leader and it was super awkward for me because you guys had more experience than i did being an infantry marine and an infantry you know a squad because you guys have been together from the beginning and here i came in like awkwardly trying to take over and you know it was it was weird it was a weird situation for me and i know it was weird for you guys too yeah Um, i've thought of that too especially when we've been talking about doing this and it was like i've given it more thought and i'm like it it was i remember being irritated oh yeah because i was the squad leader yeah and i was a squad leader for a while and then i got this you know from our perspective oh this pogue corporal (laughs) yep coming in yep and then but I can only imagine how like isolating it would have been for you too, because we did, ha- we already had the team built Yeah. and now you're just the new guy. Um, I'm sure that was difficult on your end. And it was just irritating. Cause like, I'm just a punk Lance corporal who <laughs> was a squad leader. And I had, I'd had some success in the field and I like been recognized for it. Yeah. So I thought I, I knew everything that I needed to know, obviously. Yeah. And I've been to I've been to Iraq once, so like I know everything. <laughs> salty. Yeah. Salty is uh, definitely Yeah. Um, so that was yeah, yeah, that, that was, must have been weird. It was. Tough, it was tough for you. And I and and I know the Marine Corps does what the Marine Corps does, and they don't need uh they don't need my opinion or my help. Um, because in my opinion, I honestly I believe that they should have left you as the squad leader and I would have just fallen in as a team leader. But since I outrank you on, you know, on paper, it was like, well, you got to take the the position. And it was just like, okay, well, <laughs> here we go. Yeah. So, yeah, that was an interesting time. So we had, uh, we were, we were deployed together. We, we, we had almost, uh, no, I forget. We were separated for a little while. Cause I was over in second squad and then Neil took over the squad uh, for a little while, and then I ended up mm-hmm. coming back over to third squad while we were deployed. But yeah. then we were, you guys were at, uh, oh, what was that one? What was the PB you guys were at? Way City. Way City, that's it. Because I was at Bishop yep. for a while, and then you guys were at Way City. Then I went to Way City, and then we ended up going back out to Detroit. And we, yep. set, up, we set up Detroit. Um, so, But we had some interesting experiences obviously you know yeah. being being in afghanistan it wasn't uh all great experiences but we had some good times um so after we got back and we can and, and i may i may try and have you on again sometime we can get into more of the stories about what happened uh, you know while we were deployed and things like that just have some yeah. some story time um but so we get back and we get back and we actually got back July of 2011. I think we got back like July 1st or 2nd. I remember it was right before July 4th. Yeah. I did anyway. I think, did you come back before I did or did you come back the same time I did? I can't remember. Did we, did we get split up? I think we did. I just remember it was summertime and I know yeah. I was home for the 4th of July. Yeah. 
I don't I don't really remember like I don't remember I don't remember what day we got home. Yeah. But I know I was home by the fourth. Yeah, same here. I just remember we were home. I, it was somewhere around the beginning of July. So I know after we got back, um, I wasn't with the battalion much longer because I ended up getting, um, I was, I got promoted to sergeant while we were deployed. And then when I came back, they snatched me up for a B billet and they sent me to uh, SOI pretty quickly. They actually, they also sent me to squad leaders course. Um so I was I was kind of in and out of the battalion shortly after we got back. I wasn't there. Oh, I forgot. We also had the uh, September 11th, the 10 year anniversary of September 11th trip that we went yeah. on. We floated on the, the USS New York. Yeah, to... I actually didn't do that. You didn't do that? No, I didn't go to that. It was. Um... Hang on a sec. Let me see if I, my headphones stop. OK, All right. that's better. OK, I changed. The I didn't do that. Um I think Cindy had like met because remember I went to Corporal's course pretty quick after we got back mm -hmm. and um, got dropped because Cindy ended up getting uh, admitted to the ICU for her diabetes stuff. That's right. Yep. And and just because of that was close to the September 11th ceremony and it was just kind of like eh, I don't really want to leave my wife and and yeah, nine month old. Especially for something like that. It wasn't even like super important. It was just kind of a a PR thing. Yeah. So yeah, yeah. I remember that was Wenzel. I, yeah, it was Wenzel and Tufts and there was I can't remember who all went, but there there was a bunch of us. Anyway, so we did that. We floated up there on the, the New York. That was cool. Yeah. Um so I know there's 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 a lot of you know a lot of stuff that happened, but you know with you and with me, you know, just kind of, we separated ways. We said we parted ways shortly thereafter. And yeah. then, so where did you go? Uh, Cause I went to squad leaders course and then almost immediately went to combat instructor course. And then I was over at SOI and uh, at ITB. Did, where did, did we, did we go to Islick together? Were you, did you go with Sean Gallagher and all of them? No. I no, went no because I went. I didn't go with anybody from our battalion. I don't think. Oh. Um, I thought we went together. I don't remember. Yeah, because I was I was pretty much by myself uh, as far as you like, went, our like right away, like right yeah. away after the deployment. Okay. Yeah, it was really fast, and then I came back. Was only there for a little while. We got a boot drop somewhere in there, and I remember <clears throat> that. Uh, yeah, I was I was on my way out, so I was only kind of doing like administrative paperwork stuff. I wasn't going to the field or anything, and then went to combat instructor school over on Geiger, and then so where did you go before you went to uh, I, combat? Instructor? I stayed. I stayed with the battalion, and I was so I was the squad leader and did yep. that that last deployment. I would say yeah, you you deployed again, yeah. Back back to Afghanistan, yeah, yeah. It was yep. good. We had a good team. We had uh, me, Tufts, and Gallagher as the three squad leaders. Yeah, yeah. And our dream our team. Company, yeah, our company <laughs> first sergeant called us like the trifecta. <laughs> it was pretty. It was a good time. That yeah. was a good. That was a good run. Having like three of my closest friends that we'd been in the same platoon. 
yeah since we got there basically we josh and i got there only like a month or two before sean and then after that we were together for yeah all all our time yeah at at, uh three nine several years yeah which is it's rare to have people you know that many people stick together for that long for almost like five years yeah that's crazy that's awesome it was pretty good. It was free. I I feel now, especially when I left there, and then I'm at SOI, and then I went to one three, um, and hearing other people's stories, I knew that that was special, but I didn't know that it was rare, yeah. as rare. Like dudes staying in one battalion for three deployments, um, doesn't you go to a usually go to a different place. Yeah. Oh yeah. So it, I've I've always. And then we also we were just the squad leaders, but then you had guys like uh, um, Rosario and mm-hmm. Rios, um, and a couple other guys that had been together the whole time. Yeah, it was pretty wow. pretty cool. Yeah, that's neat. I mean, because again, I I got there and then it was like, okay, well, see you later. I'm out of here. And then you know, I was yeah, gone. And then yeah, you were with us for like a year and a half, two years. Yeah, and then and then, <laughs> and then we still had we still. We still had like another year and a half left together. Yeah. Yep. Yeah. I was there for a little bit and then I was gone. So, so you, you went to SOI, you were there for, I I guess you're probably there for about three years, right? Yeah. So how long were you in the Marine Corps before you, you got out? 12 years and seven months. Okay. Yeah. I I think I was right at 10 years and seven months actually. So I think you did a little bit more than I, I knew you were in a little bit longer than I was. Um, so what made you decide to get out? Cause I mean, you were already at almost 13 years. Yeah, I was at, so I decided I was trying to change my job. Um, because I was on my first deployment. It was the UDP in Okinawa when I left SY and I was with first battalion, third Marines. Okay. And um, I was a platoon sergeant and Cindy called me one night. We were talking on the phone and Zach, my oldest, who's only like a month younger than your oldest, mm-hmm. um, which we have teenagers now. As I, I don't, I don't even want to, it's <laughs> <I know>. horrifying. <laughs> it's crazy. And Z- Zach's like two inches shorter than me. He's yeah, going to be taller. Uh, He's going to be taller than me by the time he gets to high school. Uh, yep. My uh, Ian is uh, he's Ian. about the same height as he's 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 the same height as Lydia. She's five four, uh-huh. and he's he's every bit of five four, if not five five. He's wearing the same size shoes I am. I I can hardly yeah. tell my shirt's different from him now. Yeah, it's, it's so weird. Crazy. Anyways, yeah. <laughs> but <laughs> I would um Zach said to Cindy one time, and I was already like I've got like some back problems, and I'm like I'm always and that's part of being in the infantry but <laughs> i was i'm i was getting pretty tired of like and i'm gonna tell you my two deployments in these udps in oakland hour were way harder than anything i ever did in afghanistan because <laughs> we were because you go to okinawa but then from there you go to these partnered countries in the pacific and you mm-hmm. train with them yeah and sing i trained with singapore indonesia uh the philippines and the koreans and just like we're doing like these like huge like movement to contact type deals or to the assembly area like all night breaking brush in the singaporean jungle with your, <laughs> yeah. with your main pack and I'm, when i say all night i'm talking like we started 
at sunset and we got to the objective after sunrise. I'm like, yeah. this is stupid. And this is just <laughs> like, what am I doing with my life? Yeah. And I, and I understand the value of it, but there was, yeah. it was, it was literally 12 months of training to deploy to for six months of training. Yeah. And it's a, de- it's a deployment, but it's not a combat deployment. And anyways, I'm like halfway through that one or three quarters. And Cindy calls me one time. And she said, Zach misses you. And he was like, this was his third deployment being alive, but it was the first one he was like coherent for. Yeah. And, um, and Zach said he really missed me because, and he was like, I wish we had a normal family with a mommy and a daddy. And I Ouch. died. Yeah. I, it, it killed me. And I decided, and I was in my barracks room by myself. Camp Hans in Okinawa, and I decided like, that's it. I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna change my job, and I'm gonna stay in the Marine Corps, but I'm gonna change my job. Yeah, and that started like a two year journey of failure <laughs> for me, <laughs> just to be like, okay, peace out, Marine Corps. Yeah. Uh, so, what do you mean failure? As far like, what what was the what was the problem so with all the, that? The goal was to change my job, and that yeah. didn't happen. So. You need like five or six signatures and I got every signature, but never at the same time. Um, so it'd be like your, your command has to let you approve, approve it and let you go. The, the O three sixty nine monitor has to let you go. The incoming MOS has to need you and accept you. Right. So you need, and there's a couple others in there. So there's like five signatures of approval and I submitted like three or four different packages when one would get pushed back or denied. Um, but it was like, when I first submitted it, the, like the first time in like, I think our career planners kind of sucked and didn't know what they were doing either. Um, but it, I just, I, I tried to stay in the Marine Corps, but they weren't, weren't having it um, yeah. for one. And I tried really hard and then I, I tried to a couple, I don't remember the couple of MOSs, but I was looking one, I need to change my MOS because I need to be there for my family. Like, obviously mm-hmm. this is causing problems now. And for thir- it does. Cause like for 36 months in stationed in Hawaii, I was off Island deployed or training for 18 of those 36 months. Good. Grief. So I was like, yeah. And we weren't <laughs> even going to war. Like, yeah. Yeah. It was like, I, <laughs> yeah. So it was, I was over it. Right. And so I tried to do like Intel and like I was qualified for everything. It was just like a matter of timing and getting everybody to say yes. Right. And, uh, and I just couldn't get it. And it was like, Oh, I got like all these assurances, which mean nothing. Right. But <laughs> thanks. Yep. But um, it was, it was really frustrating because I felt, you know, at this point, I'm at like 10 years, 11 years. I know I'm doing a good job, um, like as a platoon sergeant. And I was a platoon commander for six months because, um, like, I know, I'm, and this is how I know I'm doing a good job. There's a couple different ways. Like, all of my fit reps were good. Mm-hmm. Um, my last, like, two were, like, promoter head of peers, best platoon sergeant in the company, top two in the battalion. Um, I was a platoon commander for six months of of 
the in 2018, and there was only two platoons in the battalion that didn't have lieutenants. And I, I was hand selected to not get a lieutenant because they're like, <laughs> Falks yeah. will be okay. Right. Yeah. And, and and I was told that they're like, hey, they're they're deliberately not giving you one because like they think you'll be fine. And I'm like, okay, cool. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> I don't want to. Right. Um, and then. <laughs> And then I have, and the way I know I'm all, the, the best way I know is my Marines, my last platoon, my last deployment and workup, they still reach out to me and they still contact me. I've been out since 2020. We still have a, we have a platoon group chat still. Um, we got platoon tattoos. Nice. Stuff. Like, <laughs> like we, we developed a, a great culture and that Lieutenant too, he came, when he came on board, I had, he was the best Lieutenant I think I've ever had. Yeah. Like just all, all well round, uh, most rounded. His name's Billy Burke and he's just awesome. Yeah. And uh, we had a great team. So like, I know I was doing a good job. Right. And I yeah. know on paper I was a good Marine. So it was really disappointing when like, I couldn't get the support of the institution. Yeah. To, like, Hey, I've literally asked for nothing. For like 11 years yeah can i change my job now for the sake of my family and like by the way my back really hurts yeah so oh yeah and, and by the way i'm i'm physically broken so yeah. you know um <laughs> there's that and it, you know it it only seizes up like once every six months now and i can't i'll spend like a day in bed yeah <laughs> and then and then and then i'll just get over it i guess but <laughs> life goes on and that's right? still, and that's yeah that's still today like it still happens. And Cindy's yeah. like, Oh, you're just, you're just a pogue now. Why does it still hurt? <laughs> but the, the decisions I made earlier in life, yeah. <laughs> but the worst, the worst part was I was, it was, it was March of 2020 and I had submitted my packet for, I think it was to be like a PKI manager, like a crypto manager person mm -hmm. up at like the red regimental level or division level. <clears throat> and it's like, and I had known a guy that had done that too. He was who was infantry and he crossed over to do that. And that's kind of what drove me to do that. And but the part where I was like, because I've been wavering, I'm like, oh, I don't know what to do. And then like I'm also scared because I'm I'm the provider for my family. But my battalion sergeant major at the time was a piece of trash and he didn't support it at all. And I'm pretty sure he didn't like help my cause. Right. Yeah. And then we got a new one, Sergeant Major Rivera, who's still out here in Hawaii. He is awesome. And so they, the battalion had gone out to 29 Palms and I didn't go because I was coming up on my ETS and I hadn't like solidified that I was going, well, I was like six months out, but like right. I hadn't solidified getting out yet. But I was pretty sure, but I hadn't like really publicized it. But I had a package in, and I don't know what happened, but Sergeant Major Rivera called the O three sixty nine monitor and got him and spoke to him. And he called me like the next morning. It's like, hey, I spoke with Master Guns, whatever. He's gonna approve your stuff, and like you should be getting notified soon. Like your your stuff's gonna get approved. Yeah. And and like the MO, the incoming M I. That was all the signatures that I needed. And I was like, okay, sweet. Thank you, Sergeant Major. I probably got a little choked up because, like, this is like a two year battle. Right. And then 
I was slated. I never went to IULC and I was slated for IULC and I'm getting like this thumbs up approval. Um, and my course would have been canceled anyways because of COVID, but I get, I'm getting like this approvals from my Sergeant major and the monitor and it's going to get all approved. And, um, regimental master guns calls me to his office. I'm like, this is not going to be good. Um, <laughs> Sounds like a great and, time. Yeah. And the battalion wasn't back from 29 Palms yet. And I did like the, I don't, I don't remember what it's called, but the transitioning program when you're exiting the Marine Corps. Yeah. I, I didn't go to 20, 29 Palms because I did that. And like, I might be out in the next five months. So they didn't make me go. Right. Which I'm glad because no thanks. Yeah. Um, <laughs> and I was just, I we're, and I was a, op, a company operations chief at the time. So I wasn't platoon sergeant anymore. I was a company gunny for a short time and then we got the gunny and it was like, I really, the operations chief is kind of like not critical, important if he does a good job, but not critical. <laughs> and um, the master guns calls me into his office and he's talking to me and I thought we were having a conversation and he's like, so are you dropping your package out of your OC or like pulling it? I was like, yeah, master guns. I explained the situation to him. He's like, yeah, so I'm going to call up Bob or whatever. And like, he, I'm going to tell him to cancel your package. Like you're, you're not, I'm not going to let you lap me. And I'm kind of like, what? And he's like, yeah, you owe it to the community, your community, meaning the infantry and you owe it to the Institute. He said, you owe it to your community and you owe it to the institution. You're staying in the infantry and you're going to IULC. And like, I did, I was like, okay, Roger that. And I started Googling army recruiters in Florida. (laughs) before. Like literally before I left the building. Yeah. And I caught and I stepped right outside of his office. And as soon as I was in the grass, I called my recruiter and spoke to him. And that, that's the guy that put me in. Yeah. Um, but I just I just wanted to change my job. And I like I don't want to talk ill of the Marine of Marines. Yeah. But I but I hate the institution. Yeah. Like I I I could I'll never look back on it and be proud of the institution. I'm proud of the people that I serve with. And, but I, I say this all the time. Like I don't miss the Marine Corps. I miss Marines, Yeah, but there's not, there's not a thing about the Marine Corps. I've never, it really came full circle at that point. And I'm like, dude, I'm a freaking volunteer and I'm a good volunteer. Yeah. And like, I'm asking for one thing for yep. the first time at this point, for the first time in 12 years, yeah. I want, I'm asking for one thing and you're telling me no. And the institution, when you're a regimental master guns, like you're instant, you're part of the institution. Oh yeah. And when you're, when you're shutting me down like that. Okay, cool. Yeah. I, I don't need you. Yeah. And I wish I could remember his name because I would 100% say it, but I can't remember <laughs> his name. Just but dropping he, dimes. That's yeah. fine. But I, but I, I met a, an army colonel here. This so this master guns was like divorced and lived in like a blue Volkswagen van oh in the gosh. regimental parking lot, right? And like, I'm sure he's a great guy. I'm sure, uh, not prob- yeah, probably not. Probably not. He's probably, <laughs> he's, yeah. But he was when we came back to Hawaii. He was still here because we went to K Bay just mm-hmm. to see some old friends, and we'd only been gone like a year. So we came back. His van was still there. I met my brigade commander who was a colonel came and saw me or came to my unit. He was talking to me and he was like, 
oh, you're in the Marine Corps. That's cool. You know, your regimental commander over there at first at third Marines, he and I mm-hmm. were roommates in college. And I was like, oh, that's cool, sir. I was like, you know what? He's like, oh, yeah, he'll be he'll get a kick out of one of his Marines being here. I was like, you know what, sir? I got a story for you. You should tell him this because I knew that Master Guns was still there. I was like, you should tell him that the Master Guns that works with him is the reason I'm here. Yeah. Because um, like he is the way he treated me. Yeah. And then it was and and I was scared. And then between wanting to do it for my family and then Cindy's support, like Cindy for the longest time was like, oh, whatever you want, whatever, you know, whatever you think is best. So not really. So she was supporting me, but not pushing me one way or the other. Right. And then there was, I'm, I remember the part where I was, and then I was like, okay, I'm talking with Chris. But there was some point, and it might've been before or after this, but there was one point where she would, she just said, screw it. Who cares? Like, we'll be fine. Let's just get out. And yeah. like, it was the first, first time where she was not like, oh, whatever you want, whatever you think is best. Like she made a stance one way or the other. And I was like, that was like it. I was like, okay, it's like she supports it now. Yeah. And like, we're both scared about what the future would hold, but like she's supporting me getting out now. Yeah. And it, I was like, and then after that, I was like, I, I don't care. Like we'll, we'll be fine. You right. Know, after once, once she was supporting me and knew like the mental toll it was, cause it was taking a lot on me because like, I don't know what I'm doing. Right. I've never had, I've never had to be an adult, you know, <laughs> 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 the military has this great ability to to infanticize its participants its members yeah. like you don't like oh you don't know what to do we'll just tell you everything yeah oh yeah. we're gonna spoon feed this to you everything and <clears throat> and so like that's part because i've been in since i was 19 yeah so i had i had one actual I worked for my dad doing construction some, but I had one actual like paying job at a pizza place before I joined. And that was my only experience <laughs> in the workforce. Yep. So Very I similar to, I, I had, I worked uh, for the Salvation Army for a little while yeah. organizing their donations and stuff in the warehouse. And that was more of a, like a summer job. So I never had, he's, I worked with my dad a lot doing odd jobs and things. And he, he had a, he worked for a cleaning company. So we cleaned businesses in the evenings and we did, you know, we would move, like conduct, help people move offices or move houses, things like that. So basically all manual labor stuff that we'd just get paid to do. So I was, you know, able to kind of support my, myself that way. So I never really had a job, um, mm-hmm. like a nine to five and you know, it, so I, the Marine Corps was my, my work experience was the Marine Corps. So the, you get out, when did you get out? So I, so after that, after like that master guns episode and Cindy Mm -hmm. make like telling me she supports me getting out now, like, let's do this. Um, you start the transition and this, this was the next point where I was like, I, I, the institution does not care about me when you do that at, because I was, I had orders to eighth and I in Washington, DC. And because I had orders Mm -hmm. by, by getting out of the Marine Corps, I didn't get out early. I finished my agreed upon contract. Yes. I was denying orders to eighth and I. So 
We so actually had this thing, conversation. You, you actually called me or texted me and asked me what my, I did. What yep. happened to you? Yeah. yeah, it was the same because it was I didn't realize, but I did. I wasn't planning on getting into the army or anything else. So it didn't affect me the same. Yeah. You asked me like, what is the um, discharge? Three Oscar. Yeah. And yeah. it was, I had the same one. And I was like, I don't know what that means. You're like, it means you denied orders. And I'm like, no, I didn't. I completed my yeah. contract. And they're like, yeah, well, guess Dude, what? And <laughs> the, it, I, the worst part is they're like, oh, it's not negative. It's not negative. Okay. So a kid that like refuses to train in boot camp mm-hmm. who gets separated gets like the same thing. Yeah. And like, like after, like some, and you, you just served like almost 13 years without, yeah like any issues yeah never... i never got like in serious trouble never yeah. got in big trouble right exactly and you've deployed at this point you've deployed let's see one two three like five, five times yeah so yeah. you've deployed five times uh you've held every billet all the way up to billets that you weren't even technically qualified for you know rank yeah. wise so it, and then you go to yeah and th- that's one thing that i don't i don't i try to help one thing that i try to do is just help people that aren't in the military understand what people in the military go through and just what the culture is like and you know they they think i've actually had people say like the military prepares you more than any other career or job field for the transition out of the military and i was like uh yes and no uh they do a lot to they do a lot to say they're preparing you, but at the same time, they will, they're always going to look out for themselves. And if yeah, it's going no. to, like, if, if it comes down to, like, taking care of themselves and benefiting the institution, they will always put the institution first, no matter and what. That's fine. I, and I get that, but, like, it's, <clears throat> I've never, nothing about being in the military prepares you for the outside yeah. but but they'll they'll give you the resources and it, but it's and it's up to you to use them yeah and so like i learned a lot about resumes and linkedin and and usajobs.com and stuff like that like i learned a lot in the transition classes yeah but but yeah like overall like the military does not prepare you to be a civilian like yeah that and it it shouldn't because that's not its job. But right, and that's and and that's what I I think. And some people they they complain they want to say like, well, they need to allow you to be in like a unit that uh, is is only people getting out, and you need to be able to basically do whatever you want for like the last year of your you know time in the military. And I'm like, yeah, that's not feasible because yeah. there's a lot of people that don't know if they're actually going to get out until sometimes weeks before they're actually getting out that, you know, and it just, it happens quick Uh, or their, their plan falls through and all of a sudden they're, they're either reenlisting or they're getting out. And that was not what they were planning on doing. So it's, it just, it it comes at you fast. And I know that it's not something that can be planned for. And I know that it's frustrating uh, when you've got people that are like the military did nothing for me to help me transition. And, and I, Again, I, I think we're our own worst enemies because we 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 try to to blame, and that's human nature. We try to blame everybody else and other things. We try to push blame off, you know, just so we can kind of shelter ourselves from the the consequences. But you know, it 
it really comes down to how much you want to prepare. And, but even then, you know, I, we've got a guy that, uh, he's a, well, his wife is my wife's friend and he's in Germany right now. He's in the army. He's getting medically separated. I think he's getting out. They had posted something on Facebook and there was basically 30 days before he was getting out. He had been a part of a, a program through the VA that helps them get, helps you get reg or certified as a, um, you can basically leave the military and go straight into a GS five position, uh, working for the VA. So, but you That's have cool. to spend a certain amount of time in this program. Like if you don't re reach the minimum time, you can't do it. So mm. he was doing that. And then she was, his wife was waiting to um, accept a new position at her job because it was going to determine the new position was going to be determined by where they were going to be living. And they were waiting to find out where they were going to get stationed, which VA clinic or hospital or, you know, office they were going to get put at. They were waiting for him to find out that information. This has been their plan for a long time. Like they're, you know, they knew the medical separation was coming. They knew all this stuff. So the medical separation comes down and the, the date that he was told he had to be out of the, out of the army no later than was 10 days short of meeting the time requirements for that VA program. 10 days. They they wouldn't extend him like two months or something? Nope. And that's, and that's the thing. It's just they, they, why? Why? Could have easily done a 30 day extension. Exactly. It would have been, and they do that all the time, all the time, all the time. And, you know, I, I need to follow up with it again, but it, it even if they were, and I'm, I, I hope they, they were able to, I, I don't think they were able to, but I, I don't know. I'd have to, I'd have to follow up with him again um, and see, cause it's, it's just mind blowing that they couldn't. Yeah. They do that all the time for people, but it completely threw off their plan. I mean, like a lot. Cause then they had, yeah. They had like 30 days to, to execute or to prepare and execute a tra uh, an international move. They didn't know where they were going to live. They didn't know what they were going to do for a living. Uh, so, I mean, it was just, it's just wild how, I mean, the, the military, the institution will use you and you'll give everything you have to it. And then all of a sudden you're just kicked to the curb like, oh yeah, see you later. And that's, I think that, leads to a lot of veterans being jaded and you know just they're like oh, well def definitely yeah because yeah. it's like i gave you the best years of my life you know my youth and my you know my the yeah. you know, my, my golden years right? i mean everybody says the golden years are when you're like 60 and up i don't yeah that maybe that's true i don't know but it's like physically you know that was the prime of my life and i gave you that and i you know, i put out all this effort for you and then the time came for me to get something out of it. And it was like, yeah, we don't care about you. So see you later. And yeah, it, it's like the, the institution requires everything from you and it'll only give you minimum wage back, like the bare minimum. Yeah. Like they have the programs they have, you know, it the military is great. I'm still in it. That's why I, like, I yeah. think it's good, <laughs> yeah. but it's, 
it's has all these things for you, but I just so many people like your friends that you're talking about, like I, when they're just asking for a little bit extra, yeah, and it's the it's the end of the world where yeah. it's like I've been giving you everything and then some for ever, yeah, and now I'm asking for a I'm asking for just a little bit extra from the institution, yeah, specific just, situations, yeah. Like hook a brother up. Yeah. And yeah. And if, yeah. Yeah. I am, it just blows I am my 100%, 110% jaded against yeah. the Marine Corps because of like my last six months. Like, yeah. I 12, 12 years, I could complain, but like not, not like I don't, nothing against the institution. It was just like, yeah. It's yeses and nos and yeah. then like, and every, but it was, I didn't feel screwed over until my last six months. Yeah. Yep. And I, it was, it was pretty similar for me, except I, I didn't try to lap move. I basically was just like, yeah, I'm, I'm going to get out. Cause that's, what's best for my family. And I was, you know, told how stupid I was and you know, how, you know, I was just going to fail at life and everything else. And instead of them trying to help me prepare and, you know, basically just you know build you up and be like a good person and encourage you like okay you know you're doing what's best for your family like you know let's see what we can do to help you get ready it was more like oh you're leaving you're a piece of trash we don't even want to see you anymore like get oh, out yeah. of here yeah so and, and it's yeah and i and i that's because it's such a a culture that you're a part of and that you've adapted to when you start becoming the pariah and you're like the on the outside looking in and everybody's like looking down on you because you're leaving because you're leaving yeah and it, it's just it's a especially when you leave after you've been in for you know 10 plus years because everybody's like expecting you to stay and it's like like yeah you owe, like you owe them something it's like i don't owe you anything Dude, <laughs> like i'm a freaking volunteer yeah yep like I, I i signed a contract and that that doesn't mean that like when I complete that contract, I'm done. Like I can leave, I can do whatever I want. I don't have to, you know, I don't, there's no moral obligation for me to stick around just because you think that I should. <laughs> my, my battalion Sergeant Major, the one before Sergeant Major Rivera, you would have thought I was stealing his paycheck. Yeah. By get, just because I decided to get out. Yeah. And he was infantry. He was infantry scout sniper. Um, like very into the, being in the infantry and yeah, the fact that I wanted the one lap move and then he was gone. They had done a change of responsibility by the time I decided I was getting out. Mm -hmm. But yeah, like they, yeah, they're like, I don't care what you want. I want for you what I want. Yeah. <laughs> yep. Like they're like, what's what's best for you? Like, we don't care what's best for your family. We need you for the institution. And I'm like, that yeah, wait, no. Which is that's which is fine. Right. But I'm telling you, it doesn't support what I need anymore. Right. So can and I, I can I can I have like a little bit of this or a little bit of that? Yeah. Okay, no. So okay, that's fine too. I'm just gonna get out now. That's yeah. not a threat. I'm yeah, just, it, this doesn't work anymore. Yep. And, and it's like, oh, it doesn't work because you're a terrible person. Yeah. And a piece and, of crap. And you denied orders and, now. And we're going to give you this, this code that, 
you know, is the same as someone who just refuses to train, even though you've served 12 years, almost 13 years honorably. <laughs> like, yeah. okay, that makes perfect Crazy. sense. Yeah. Yeah. So how long were you out before you got into the, the army? Like, I was, was the, I was, was out there? for, for eight months. Okay. Um, didn't think it was going to take that long. Yeah. <clears throat> but I got out and then it might have been seven months. I had like a month of terminal leave. Right. Um, so we went home to Florida. We were staying with my mom. When you and I didn't do an inner service transfer. It was just I just got out and then I was joining the army. Okay. So the the recruiter tells me, hey man, like I gotta here, I give him like my DD two fourteen and all this stuff. And he's like, cool. We also have to request your, I don't know, service records from mm-hmm. the Marine Corps. They have, and it can take up to 90 days. Like 90 days. Holy cow. Yeah. Um, it took like 88 days. Like, wow. Of and course. so I'm calling, I'm calling like once a week. I'm calling like on Monday and Fridays, maybe. Hey man, what's up? And oh yeah, we don't have your stuff yet. So like, there's three months down the hole. Yeah. Um, wow. Then I, yeah. And then. I go once, uh, I finally go to MEPS and my heart rate was high. My blood pressure was high. Yeah. I think it was cause I was terrified. Cause like, yeah. this doesn't work. <laughs> like, I don't know what I'm going to do. Yeah. And then, and then after it was too high, they tested two times. And then on the third time it was good, but you only get two tests. And then on the third time they were like, you have to come back in 30 days and try again. Oh my God. And word. I was like, Oh my God. And then by the time that happened, um, it was like almost Thanksgiving. Yeah. So I, I was like, I'll just wait through the holidays at this point. I'll just right. go. So I was like, well, I could go now, but what's the point? And I'm just going to miss holidays and I'll probably be allowed to take leave for Christmas. So that means I just have to pay for a plane ticket over there anyway, come back home and stuff. So let's just wait till the new year. So then I went back to MEPS one last time to like finalize everything um, in the beginning of January. <clears throat> and then they sent me up for the end of February. So February 24th of 2021, that was my first day in the army. That's the day I swore in. And then I flew out to um, Fort Huachuca, Arizona. Um <laughs> which is like right on the border um, for Intel school. Yeah. Nice. Yeah. Okay. And it was, so it was what like, were you, what did you do uh, during that like eight months? Like, were you working? Were you like, what was your, so yeah. Because Cindy and I had decided I was getting out. We had been saving a lot. This was also the time. <laughs> this was also covid time so all those all those stimulus checks were coming in too okay which made it yeah which made it easy, especially when you have three kids mm-hmm. and they're like hey here's a million dollars for nothing and i'm like okay like <laughs> noted sure, why not yeah um but i didn't work i thought i was going to um but my parents i was very fortunate that they're not my parents aren't married anymore but my dad still heavily supports my mom um, and my mom still lives in the house that I spent like half my life. Well, technically I only spent like five years there. Um, 
but that's the house I recruited out of. Yeah. And so we had bedrooms and room for my family and it's just her. Yeah. So we, we stayed at my parents' house, uh, my mom's house, um, which was great because we're home for the first time in 12 years, longer <laughs> than like a week and a half. Right. Um, and then, so we had a lot of savings built up and then I did a lot of work on my mom's house. Like I did like floor, redid the flooring and like half of her house. Um, Cindy painted like half of her house on the inside. We nice. modeled a lot of stuff. Um, like landscaped, redid her backyard. Um, so we did like, I stayed busy and then I just, I took advantage of being home with my family, especially after, like I said, I was gone for so long, my yeah. time in Hawaii. Um, that like, I really just took advantage of that. And again, that whole time I thought I was going like next month. Right. It's like, <laughs> and that turned in, and like, and then that turned into eight months and I was like, Okay. Like it was great. Uh, but it was right. like that was way longer than I thought it was gonna be. Yeah. But I wasn't I wasn't sweating it. I was just like there was always just the next step, but it just took longer in between those steps. Yeah. So I didn't I didn't I didn't work. Um, but we stayed busy at my mom's house and but it was cool, like taking my kids to school every day, picking them up. Um I got to do a trip to some family property with my dad in West Virginia. Um, we did like a huge, we went camping a lot, did like this big, like week long camping trip down to the Florida Keys and the Everglades. Nice. Um, like we took advantage of the family time for sure. Yeah. Good. That's awesome. Yeah. Yeah. I was, I was curious if I, I didn't know how long that was. And I was, you know, just interested to see, you know, how that, how did, you know, how did that affect, other than it being positive for you guys having more time together, how did it affect, um, I guess, just your family, you know, as far as, you know, being out and not just kind of the uncertainty. I felt more confident that I, that would be okay because I still, at the time I had secret clearance and I had like plan B and C was like, if I can't go active duty, I'll go reserves and like become a firefighter. Um, and then I discovered that like firefighters in NASA um, over there in Florida, Cape Canaveral mm -hmm. require a secret clearance because you're like nice. a firefighter at NASA. Yeah. So, and I have that. So I was like, I, I kind of had these other plans, um, but it felt, I was just happy to be home with my family. Yeah. And Cindy's mom, uh, her father's passed away, but Cindy's mom, we went to high school together. So her mm -hmm. mom lives right down like 10 minutes away. So we, it was a lot of family time. I know Cindy stressed out a little bit more than I knew at the time <laughs> over finances yeah. and stuff. Cause it like, you know, we had zero income except for those stimulus checks. Right. Um, <laughs> yep. let, me get an, let me get another STEMI. Yeah. <laughs> um, but, uh, I wasn't stressed about, I felt confident of the next step. Um, it just was frustrating getting there. Yeah. Yeah. And then, and then after, after that, the army got my paperwork and they started working with me, 
the company commander of that recruiting station thought I forged my DD-214 because the army doesn't do that. They're like, oh, you served 12 and a half years of honorable service. That like you get out, like here's a bronze star, a brand new car, and like thank you for your service. <laughs> and and the Marine uh, Corps is like you're and the Marine Corps is like you're a traitor and we hate you. Don't ever yeah, come back. Like don't ever come um, back. So he's like he's like you you can't get because I had an honorable discharge at a uh RE3 Oscar. Yeah. And he's like, that's just, that's not possible. And I was like, dude, you it, it is possible. Um, I'm standing right here. <laughs> yeah, and and it, it there was like a month of that ish where it was like kind of arguing and like my recruiter going to bat for me, I guess. And I actually, I I think I called Sergeant Major Rivera, the my last Italian Sergeant Major, and asked him if he would make a phone call on my behalf. Um, and I don't maybe I started with the text and I was going to call him and then they like approved my contract or whatever for the army. But like, there was like another like month where it was like, you forged your DD-214. <laughs> you, you can't have an honorable discharge um, and an RE3 Oscar. Yeah. It, just, it was just more time. It just cost me more time. Right. It's, it's fine. At the end of the day, I'm happy for it because it means I didn't, it means I left later than I wanted, which means I stayed through Thanksgiving and Christmas, which was great. Mm-hmm. Um, so it, it was in the, at the, at the end of the day, it was good, but at the time it was like frustrating. Yeah. Oh yeah. Um, Just the, was, I mean, my whole waiting is so hard. <laughs> yeah. But I had, we had the support of my whole family and it was, so it was, it was great. It was just the unknown. Oh Yeah. Yep. So now you're back in the army or you're in the army now, right? Yeah. So, and you're yeah. back at, you're back on Hawaii, right? Yeah. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. And yeah, yeah, I know we, we talked a little bit about this before we started recording, but so what are you doing now in the army? Now I'm, I'm an intelligence analyst okay. uh, for the, for the army. So we got, that when I was in Intel school, you find out like, you know, halfway through or whatever, you find out where you're going. Um, and then you, then I, we, we moved from when I finally was ready to leave. It was crazy. We left, I left Arizona, you know, I was in Florida like 10 hours later and then we left the next morning. I was only in Florida for like less than 24 hours. Wow. Um, and then we flew out to Hawaii. Cause I just, it, I just was, we're trying to get it started. And um, I had been delayed a little bit because you have to get EFMP validated before you go overseas and Hawaii is technically overseas. Mm-hmm. Um, so you have to get like the EFMP screening and that took longer than we thought. And so my unit's been waiting on me. Um, but finally get to 214 Cavalry on October 21st, which was my birthday in 2020 <laughs> on in 2021. Yeah. Um, and it was awesome. I was very happy. Yeah. Nice. So you've kind of gone through a little bit of the transition of leaving the military, um, kind of dipped your toe in it. And then now you're back in the military and, you know, you've still got a couple of years left before you retire, right? You you got 
probably what three or four years left. Yeah, I'm I'm around 16 years now. Um, the goal is this summer to submit my warrant officer package. Um, okay, yeah. And if if I get selected for that, it's a mandatory six years. It's six years obligated service. Yeah. Um. So and then we'll make the decision after that. But that would take me to around 23 years probably. Yeah. Um. And if that if that's great, then we might stay in longer if if I'm ready to end it at that point. But what's cool is the options that it opens up is your time and service doesn't start over, but you're like, you're, it kind of starts over in the fact that like you can stay in for 30 years as a warrant or until you're hmm. like 62. Holy so cow. If I, if, yeah. So if I came in, you know, if I, I, I could stay in until I'm 62 years old, Yeah, which would be like another, I just turned 35. Yeah. So like it's 30 years as a warrant. Wow. Um, I did not know that. <laughs> yeah. So, wow. and I don't know if, I don't know if like the Navy and the Marine Corps do that, but that's for the army. That's how it is. And I'm, I, I'm like, okay, that, that just more <laughs> options. Yeah. Um, and then, and then if it's, if it's not, if, you know, after my six years, if it's time to go, it's time to go. And I have a lot of open doors. Yeah. But it's just, I'm pretty, pretty hopeful for the future. Uh, especially like job security. Like I know I'm good. So retirement. Another thing the army does is after like 10 years, you don't reenlist anymore. You get like your, it's called your indef or indefinite contract. Mm -hmm. So basically you, you, you sign up until retirement. So, <laughs> I, I, so I I reenlisted indefinite um, this summer um, for basically it says like because I'm a staff sergeant still so your time it says you know as a staff sergeant you can be in for 20 years so you are reenlisting for 20 years or f for the remainder until 20 years um, which at the time was like five years and some change. Mm -hmm. And then if you get promoted, you can stay in longer and stuff. Um, and I don't know how that works after you've reached retirement eligibility. Right. But I am in, I'm in death now. So <laughs> unless I seriously screw up, um, I, I have a pension for the rest yeah. of my life and health insurance. So that's comforting. Yeah. Know? That's awesome. That's good. Yeah. That's, and that's, you know, I'm trying to, I'm just thinking about, you know, the, some of the people that I know that have gotten out after being in for, you know, 20, 30 years. And even then, you know, kind of struggled with, with, you know, getting out and having to, to deal with that. It sounds more with you. It sounds more so that you, you understand that the military is not your identity. Do you feel like that's correct? It's, it's not anymore. Yeah, it, it was when I joined. It was yeah, um, and maybe the first time I reenlisted. Um, what do you think helped you change that? I think it was probably around the time where I was getting screwed over with trying to lap move in the Marine Corps, when it was just kind of like I, you know, I had 
because I was drinking the Kool-Aid forever. Yeah. Um, and Cindy makes fun of me because she's like, you know, we've been married for like a year. And I'm like, yeah, infantry for life. Oh, I'm going to do 30 years in the infantry <laughs> through this, you know, pogue this and pogue that. And, <laughs> and like, she'll make fun of me for that. Um, and I'm like, yeah, I was stupid. <laughs> um, <laughs> but, and that's, and there's certainly nothing wrong with that, being wanting to do those things. But it was, I don't know. I don't think it was becoming a father because I was still in the infantry for like nine more years, you know, still mm-hmm. in the Marine Corps for like nine years as a father. Um, but it was really, I just kind of did like some self-reflection and kind of realized like at some point I realized like I don't, I've given enough. Like I don't owe you anything anymore. And, and I felt like you didn't owe me anything, but you could, the institution didn't owe me. But it's like it would have been it, it it owed me a favor, maybe, you know, like yeah. And and when it when it just spit me out, I was like, okay. Um, so I really don't view like I, I still I've always felt led to serve and help people. Um, I want to do that. I, I think even when I retire, um, I have a big drive to I think I'm gonna be part of like um counter human trafficking. Mm-hmm. Um, I want to help people, but I don't feel a requirement to serve my country. Anymore. Yeah. I'm not, I'm not in the army for the red, white, and blue. I'm in it for my family and the benefits that it gives to me. Um, I got a lot of health problems in my immediate family that the insurance helps with tremendously. Um, and then financially, like, especially if I become a warrant officer, um, and if I, if I stayed in and retired at like a CW four, if I made it to five, mm-hmm. like a CW five, it's like, like base pay is like 10 grand a month. Like, yeah. <laughs> like it would be, that would, that's like, that's like 25 years down the road. Right. But if I, if that, if I did that, mm-hmm. I wouldn't, I'd be, would be set. Yeah. Um. So those I'm doing it for my family. Now I don't feel, and I told Cindy this at my last reenlistment, um, like my, my OIC, uh, he was doing the oath of enlistment and he's like, you know, Cameron, he's, you know, this is like his fifth reenlistment he's done all this. And it's, you know, he's doing it, you know, for service country one more time and all this. And I, and then they're like, all right, you, do you have anything you want to say? And I was like, you know, when I joined, I did it for my country. Um, I stayed in, I reenlisted for the Marines uh, for, to go to Afghanistan to, you know, fight bad guys and stuff. And then I, and then I was like, I, I'm, I'm doing this for my family now. Um, yeah. And it's not a bad way. It's not a bad way to make a living. Um, but it's, it's definitely not, I don't want to say it's a job because it's more than a job. Yeah. But it's, I'd say it's a career. Like, yeah. It's, it's not, it's not who I am. I don't, I don't live to be in the military. I live for like, going to the beach we go snorkeling i I live for like family time yeah out here that's what i live for but it's it's more than a job but it's a career you know right i think it's still i think it kind of falls under the the guise of or not the guys like under the umbrella of being a calling even if it's not your entire identity but i know that with me it was it became 
my identity. And when I, when I left the military, it was really hard to transition away from that and to realize that it, that realization for me came after I got out, but it was, it was kind of forced upon me. <laughs> it was not something that I was, you know, excited about or even, you know, so it was, it was more difficult. And I, I wish that more people would get to that understanding that you've got to where it's, it's, it's more about my family. It's more about setting myself up for future success. It's more about doing what's best for, you know, me and mine, which sounds selfish, but at the same time, it's, it's, it's not selfish. It's just priorities. And, yeah. and, and like I, for, for you, if, if you felt like, you know, you're still serving now, you're just serving your community locally mm -hmm. instead of na nationally. Yeah. So really like for you, the military wasn't your identity. It was service. That's your identity. Yeah. You know, and cause you're still doing that and you're still, yeah. you're probably in, in harm's way more often now than, <laughs> yeah. than when you were in the military. Right. Yeah. And that's, it's, I tell, it's that, interesting. To, I tell that to my buddy, Rick, Mm -hmm. I got my one of my closest friends, Rick. He serves. Uh, he's Orlando PD. Yeah, he's been there for like ten years now. And I remember, like, he never went to Iraq or Afghanistan. He was Army MPs for like six years or eight years. Got mm -hmm. out for the veteran status, and he's worked for Orlando PD, and he's crushing it over there. And I remember, like, and he'll be like, "Tell me, good job, and thank you for my service and stuff." And like, especially when, when like, when we when he first joined. And I think even when he transitioned out, he's like, oh, you know, he, he said a couple of times, like, you know, you're doing so many great things. And I told him, too, I was like, dude, you do more. Your job is more dangerous than mine. Is. Because, like, <laughs> yeah, like it's literally every day. Um, mine, I think, in the military sucks a little bit more than being a police <laughs> officer, maybe. Yeah. But it, I certainly, especially today it's more dangerous and half the country hates police officers but most people support the military yeah um but but like there's very little love for police officers today so like the fact that you guys put up with that seems way harder than putting up with crap in the military <laughs> and it's it but it is it's different having been on both sides it's it's different because I'm not expected to to stand duty. I'm not expected to um it's so if I'm at work longer than 12 hours, I get paid overtime. You know, if cool. I'm it, it, right, that's yeah, and that that blew my mind when I like when I when I got out and I was, you know, and I started getting into law enforcement, it was like blew my mind that I had like sick days. And it was, you know, <laughs> like I could take a sick day and then I could, you know, and if I was at work longer than 12 hours, I got, I had to get paid overtime or comp time or, you know, they would, you know, that they'd let me flex off and I'd just take, you know, I'd go home early one day or whatever. It's just, yeah. it's different. But I finally, you know, I was, cause again, I was, I was dealing with my own transition stuff and trying to figure out who I was and what I was going to do with my life. Cause I mean, I thought I was going to be in the military forever when I was young and naive. And then I realized that was not what I wanted to do and I needed to be there for my family. So my realization about 
my job not being my identity came before I became a cop. And now that I am a cop, I, I love being a cop. I love, I love the work. I love, you know, I just, I, how long I love, have you been about almost, how long have you been doing that? almost three years. I joined in 20, it was February of 21. So February of 24, it'll be three years. So I'm coming up on that, you know, two, a little over two and a half. So I, I'm starting to get to a point where I really enjoy the work, but my, I, I could, when I first got out the job that I was doing, I was selling insurance and I absolutely hated it. I do not want to go back to selling insurance, yeah. but I would do much better at it now because now my, my sole goal is to spend as much time with my family as I can and do as much with them and create as many memories and raise really good, strong kids and have a good relationship with my wife. That's where I, that's where I find my identity. So I could really be doing just about anything at this point. And yeah, I may be bored and I may hate it and I may be in a bad mood sometimes just cause you know, like yeah, it, it may not be what I wanted to do, but my, my fulfillment doesn't come from, Oh, I'm a Marine or I, you know, I'm serving my country. It, that's not where it can It comes from anymore. And I wish I would have had that mindset when I was 18, you know, but yeah, that, that comes with maturity. But I also think if someone had talked to me about that and been like, Hey, don't let this consume you. Like you need yeah. to be able to, to identify yourself outside the military before you, cause when I was 18, I didn't know who I was. You know, I thought I did. I didn't know who I was. I was, you know, just a young, you know, when you're 18, you think, you know, everything you're, you're going to take on the world. Yeah. And then you join the military and it's like, now they give you this bravado. That's like, Oh, I'm invincible. And it, I don't know. It's just, it's, and I'm not blaming the military at all. It's just, that just kind of comes with the territory, but I didn't know who I was. And I don't think I really knew who I was until I got out and really had to go through that process. It sounds like, I mean, and again, someone like you that's gotten out and then gotten to that point where you're doing it now for different reasons than when you did it the first time. You're kind of at that, you've realized that in your own journey. And it's just, I wish that I wish that more people could understand that earlier on. It's just, yeah. you know, trying to get away from letting, making it your identity because I, you know, we had a, there was a Sergeant major that he did, I think he did 30 years. And when he got out, um, he got out, I got out in March of 2017. He got out, the end near the end of 2017 and he was out for maybe six months and then he ended up killing himself is that sergeant major parisi yeah yep yeah but it's you know it's just like the saddest thing i mean he, did you ever meet him i don't know if you ever did i i did i knew him jared my cousin i was telling you about yeah one of his deployments the first or second time he went to iraq parisi was his first sergeant Okay. And so he was sending email updates and stuff. And then 
kind of we met, I think we met him like when Jared came home one time or something. But my my mom kept in contact with him like through Facebook or whatever. Mm-hmm. And when I was on Lejeune, he was a sergeant major, and uh, I saw him once or twice. And then he uh, when he wrote his book, he sent me a copy. Um, I don't. I didn't even know he wrote a book. I, he did. Yeah. He did. It it was it's not huge, um, but it's about his time in. Yeah. Um but it was uh I so I met him a couple of times, but not he wasn't like influential in my but I but he was influential for thousands of Marines. Yeah. Because he was he was over there at the NCO Academy. Yep. As like the sergeant major over there. And I know he would give his speeches and stuff. Yeah. Um, he was my, he was then, my battalion sergeant major when I was at uh second lab battalion when I deployed to Iraq. So yeah. in 2008. So he was, he was a motivator. Oh my word. Yeah. He was just, and he was just, he was a great dude. I mean, he just loved everybody and he was always, you know, looking out for people and, you know, and, and I don't, and I don't know the man's story. I don't want to sit there. I'm not talking bad about him at all. You know, I, I just, I wish I knew kind of what was going through his mind. Cause I mean, he had an yeah. amazing career and then he, he had like a nonprofit that he was helping, you know, uh, military families. And I think he was working with like widows and things of veterans and even military members. And it just like, he had a lot going in the right direction. And then it, but I just, I wonder if it wasn't just, he lost that piece of him that was so important. And I don't know. I don't, yeah. I yeah, I remember that, uh and then it, it it was all over Facebook. Yeah. Because he was so famous in the Marine Corps. Yeah. Um and it was just like another dude that's like nobody maybe somebody knew. Yeah. And he wasn't he was retired now for a while, so it was mm-hmm. like he's not plugged in and yeah. Nope nobody knew. Yeah. It's just and that's really what what kind of jump started this you know my my desire to, to to start this facebook page and instagram page and eventually now you know this podcast is just if he was struggling with it everybody's probably struggling with it at some level you know and and, and that's not saying that you know all veterans are crazy and they're all victims and that that's not true but it, it it is true in the ask in in the sense that it is a difficult transition, even if you know. And I, and I I you know I hope that I'm I hope that I'm wrong because I but I, I believe that even if you set yourself up for success, once you leave, you're still gonna have that loss of you're you're still losing a big part of yourself. And you're still losing a big part of who you are and who you have been for the last, you know, however long you've been in the military. Like you, you're going on 16 yeah. years. You're talking about possibly staying in till minimum of, you know, 22 and then possibly even, you know, a lot longer. Yeah. yeah. Um, you know, it, but it's just, yeah, it, I don't know. I'm trying to, ultimately I'm trying to, you know, figure out how we can help people understand before they get into the military that the military is really good 
in a lot of aspects. And I do not regret joining the military. I would do it again in a heartbeat. If I had to go back in time, I would absolutely do it again. But I would change my mindset uh, from the outset and just kind of realize the institution will go on without me. They don't need me, you know, that, you know, it's, <laughs> and, and, and I'm, I'm not indispensable. And if I don't take care of myself, the institution's not going to, they'll take care of you as long as you are valuable to them. And then yeah, they're going to look out for the institution, which again, that's, that's what they do, but it's, I think if we could help people understand that and then, you know, tell them, you know, again, it's getting out is not a bad thing. And it's not like, you know, you're going to be this depressed, you know, homicidal, suicidal maniac when you get out because you just don't know what to do with yourself. But that mental turmoil that, that comes with it. Well, I, I think it, a lot, it, in the Marine Corps, for the Marine Corps infantry, a lot of that mental, to, mental turmoil hormone, whatever. That is, word. <laughs> that word is from leadership. I remember dudes saying that, you know, a young corporal talking about after this deployment, I'm getting out, you know, I'm not going to re-enlist. He's done his four years and he's getting out. And I remember like our company gunnery sergeant being like, you're getting out. Um, you know, whatever, like, like just har harassing them a little yeah. bit. Have fun like, flipping burgers at McDonald's and living in a trailer. Yeah. Like, or like, what? Or people are, oh, what are you going to do when you get out? Like, what do you, yeah. and I'm like, I don't know. There's like 300 million Americans that are figuring it out. <laughs> that don't work in the yeah. military. Yeah. Yep. And like, most of them have never been in the military. And yep. there's, most of them are doing just fine. Yeah. You know, I like, I, I, I don't understand how you could berate somebody for serving their country. Yeah serving it honorably and now getting out and doing something else. Yeah. And it was like, it's like, you, but you do, they do that. Yeah. They're like, Oh, I can't believe you're going to get out. Like, and I'm not talking about me. Cause like, it was more, it's more of a shock when somebody at 12 years gets out, but for a kid that's just getting out, do, did his four years and is getting mm -hmm. out. And like, instead of that, how about you find like, as the company gunners are company first on, and they have these programs and they're out to be like, how about you find him an apprenticeship? Yeah. You know, the, they have those programs where you can go apprentice for six months and mm -hmm. they get hired on. You could be an electrician. You could be like, you know, changing the blades on a giant wind turbine. You know, yeah. you could do, like there's those jobs. Some of my Marines did those internships mm -hmm. instead of like talking crap about them. Yeah. And, and then giving like, them a bunch of crap duty that they can't get out of. Right. And basically making or it more not, difficult for them to prepare. Yeah. Not supporting the transition. Yeah. And it was like, it's just like, I don't, I don't know. I think a lot of the transition would be easier if people would support it. Yeah. Um, I wholeheartedly agree is the, if there was less of a stigma about getting out uh, amongst the leadership and people that have decided that the, the military is their calling for their entire life, which is fine. I'm 100% supportive of that. Um, but they have this idea that everyone needs to make that decision. And that's not everybody. I'm not saying that every leadership, right. you know, every person in leadership has that idea, but a lot of them do. And a lot of them have that 
that notion that, well, if I'm doing it, everybody should do it. And if you get out, you're just, you're no good. And that's toxic. And I know that that needs to, that needs to change. It's, you know, but so I've really enjoyed our conversation. I think there's a lot of good information in here that, you know, people can glean and hopefully just learn from. Is there anything that you want to say to someone uh, either who's a active duty right now looking at getting out or a veteran that has, you know, recently gotten out? Anything you, any advice you want to give? Because, I mean, you've, you've been around the block more than most people. So <laughs> I think people need to realize for those that are in or that have already transitioned out, you've done more than most people. You need to be proud of that and you need to not harp on that and like, oh, like your future is ahead of you and like, you know, your best days are ahead of you. You, You've learned a lot from the military. You need to transition that into success in the civilian world. Um, And then I, I told if, if you're in the, if there's infantry guys listening to this, you need to go look at a different job Um, (laughs) and just like, take a look at like what other branches or MOSs have to offer. Um, And if you want to stay in and continue your service, but I just think like, I appreciate anybody that's ever served our country. um, And I love them for that. And uh, we're forever grateful for that, but you are more important to your family than, than you are to the institution. And nobody in the military, nobody in your chain of command is going to come to your funeral in 40 years. And nobody in your chain of command is going to wipe your ass when you're 80 years old or 90 years old in a nursing home or your home alone. But your family is. Mm-hmm. Your family is going to be at your funeral. Your children are going to be changing your diapers. Like... Those are the people that you need to prioritize and focus on. And as long as you're, if you're, and if you don't have that, then you will, you will someday. But like, those are the things you have to prioritize. Um, Cause that's what matters. Like if you, if you, if you neglect that, like they'll always remember that. And they're never going to remember like, Oh man, I'm so glad. My dad stayed at work so late that one time and missed my <laughs> soccer game. Yeah. But they're gonna remember they're gonna remember like you coming to their game still in uniform or something. You know, because like you mm-hmm. just got off work and you came straight here. So I you just you gotta prioritize your faith and your family and every nothing else matters. Yeah. Not, in my in my opinion. It literally does not matter. I wholeheartedly agree and i wish we could get you know more people to 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 realize that and you know stop beating themselves up when they decide to leave and it's it's like you know you've done what you signed up to do and you nothing else is expected of you you know so now it's time to you know move on and prioritize yeah and yeah yep well, hey, I couldn't have said it any better myself, man. And I've really enjoyed our interview. I, I think, again, me too. So, 
it's been really good talking to you again. I've been I've enjoyed really enjoyed just catching up with you. So, but I hope the family's doing well, and you know I hope you and you continue to do great things over there in the army. Now that you're a you're an army dog, yeah, yeah. <laughs> I'll, keep, I'll keep you I'll keep you updated. It's different. Yeah, it is definitely different here, but it it's it's different in good ways and different to bad. Like like they both suck. Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> but. But the army does care more about the individual. Yeah, um, that's good. Yeah, yeah. The individual as a human being, and then the individual as a soldier. Like, right. But it's, but they both like. Still got formation sometimes. You know? Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> still still got to stand duty. Still got to yeah. you know. Still yeah. got to run the PFT and. Uh, yeah. Uh, <laughs> yeah. But, yep. But it's good. It was. It, this was the best thing I've done for my career good was transitioning over yeah good well i'm glad good to hear that you're doing well and you know i hope to hear more good things from you in the future and we'll have to we'll have to we'll have to catch up again a little bit sooner yes. you know than than as long as it's been yeah in the last <laughs> 20 years yeah <laughs> but I'm, I'm proud of you man you're doing good things just keep it up proud I of your service it. to the community and being a great role model for your kids you got your family's like half the town's population by now. It, it's so. pretty close. Yep. <laughs> well, that's All good, right, man. man. Really happy for you. Yep. Thank you. You too, man. I'll, I'll, I'll talk to you again soon. Thanks, man. Take All it right. easy, Evan. You too. Have a good one. Later, bro. Hey guys, quick reminder. If you enjoyed the episode today, don't forget to like and subscribe. Also go to whatever platform you listen to these podcasts on and leave a review. That's the best way to help us out. Uh, it gets a lot more traffic to us. So again, if you liked it, like, subscribe, and uh, leave a review. All right. Love you guys.